The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Previously on Valley 101. Arizona was a young state in the 1920s. And in order to attract people to move to the state, various groups like Chambers of Commerce, used the five C's as a way to promote the area. By the 1930s, there is a famous um, WPA guide to the state of Arizona, and it, it mentions um, the C's. And by the late 40s, um, it's quite common to talk about the five C's. What are the five C's of Arizona? The five C's of Arizona is, I think you can probably see in many places, it'll say every school child um, should know the five C's. It's copper and cattle, citrus, climate, and cotton. Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. Last week, producer Maritza Dominguez explored Arizona's five C's, focusing on citrus. This week, we have another team member. Hey everyone, Katie O'Connell here. And she's taking a look at another one of the five C's, cotton. Yes, I was really excited when we got this question. It comes from Arizona State University PhD student Andrew Lawton, and it combines a few of my favorite things, history, water policy, and population growth. All right, let's dive in. There, there had been native cotton um, in Arizona, as in many places around the world, but this was uh, a product that had some limited utility. That's Philip Vandermeer. He's the retired history professor from ASU, who you heard from in the previous episode. Maritza met Philip at the Arizona Heritage Center, so you might hear a little bit of that in the background. Anyway, Philip said that Arizona, like many places, had a native form of cotton. That's because growing conditions in our state actually mirror those of places like Egypt. And I bet you've heard of Egyptian cotton. Well, in Arizona, our type of native cotton is called Yuma cotton. And Yuma cotton caught the attention of the U.S. Department of Agriculture in the early 1900s. And a man named Hudson comes out and improves this and develops it into something called Pima cotton. And the need for Pima cotton, or long-grain cotton, would greatly increase due to one international event. World War I is a time when there is an increased need, demand for cotton, and cotton is used in truck tires, um, airplane tires, and airplane wings. Spotting an opportunity, the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company bought 17,000 acres of land in the valley. 
First they purchased land in the southeast part of the valley. Then the Goodyear Company purchased land in the part of the valley now appropriately known as Goodyear. This is a huge increase in demand, and so the prices are really rising. And so Goodyear is not only growing its own on its own land, it's uh, paying farmers uh, to, to grow also, and then additional farmers are growing on their own. And so in a very short time, in only a few years, you see cotton production going way up for people who had not grown cotton before. Philip pointed out that it's not easy to get farmers to switch to new crops. But the profit margins on cotton were so extraordinary during this time, it was a rather convincing argument. Then the war ended. Here's where the story of cotton in our state starts to ebb and flow. The end of World War I meant there was less demand for cotton. That caused the price to plummet. And so Arizona farmers uh, are devastated. Some lose their farms, um, as happens uh, to people across the country. And the start of the 20s wasn't much kinder. Arizona farmers get into this uh, with reckless abandon, but when the market, agricultural market, including the cotton market, um, collapses in 1921, um, everybody loses badly, they pull out. Those who stayed in cotton farming would once again develop a new and profitable variety. Slowly during the 1920s, the shift from growing uh, what was called Pima, long staple cotton, to upland cotton. And that then takes off. That regrowth would be crucial. As Maritza said in the previous episode, the five C's were developed as a marketing ploy in the 1920s. The Arizona Farm Bureau statistics show that there were 90,000 acres of strong, high-quality upland cotton planted in 1927. Cotton was a hugely important crop. It makes sense that it would be included. But that growth would stall once again. Uh, the 1930s is a time when, of course, the agricultural market around the world has declined because of the Great Depression. And so U.S. policies to try to deal with this involve uh, limiting the amount of acreage that's planted in various crops. Cotton's one of those crops. The government stops that program in 1936, causing acreage to increase dramatically. Philip said this was partially because of the looming specter of World War II, which would bring increased demand for cotton yet again. In the period from the 1940s through the 19, into the 1970s, cotton is a major uh, product for Arizona. A documentary from the 1950s called Arizona, Land of Color and Contrast, shows how big of a deal cotton was for the state. Arizona is a major cotton-producing state. And not just ordinary cotton, but superior cotton produced in record yields per acre and used for fine fabrics. According to the Arizona Farm Bureau, upland cotton acreage in Arizona peaked in 1953. There were more than 650,000 acres of it planted then. Again, it makes sense that it would be included in the five C's. But where are we with cotton today? In 2015, just 89,000 acres of the crop were planted. 
That's an 86% drop in acreage from 1953. It's the lowest acreage ever recorded since estimates began in 1924. However, despite its shrinking acreage, cotton still brings between $400 and $500 million to our state's economy each year. So what's it like to be an Arizona cotton farmer? I went to the Arizona Farm Bureau's annual meeting to find out. The meeting was held at the Wigwam Resort in Litchfield Park. You might hear some noise behind our next guest because of that. Uh, I'm Ron Rayner, R-A-Y-N-E-R. My family has farmed here in this Litchfield Park area for many years. My dad was born here in 1915, and my uh, grandfather and great-grandfather came here from California in 1913. The criticism most commonly heard about cotton farming is that it's a really thirsty crop. It requires a lot of water to grow. I asked Ron about this. Ron's family uses groundwater on their farm. They do not use water from the Colorado River that was transported via the Central Arizona Project Canal System. And Ron said his family's farm has not experienced groundwater depletion over the decades. The depth of water there is around uh, 40 to 50 feet. Uh, uh, hasn't changed much at all over the 70 years that uh, I was on that farm. But that water has a lot of salinity. That means Ron and his family can't use it to grow salt-sensitive vegetables that require less water. Farmers who use groundwater are able to grow crops like cotton and grains instead. Ron said their family's cotton production has evolved over the decades. Right now, their annual cotton yield is about three bales. That's about 1,500 pounds of plant cotton. But there's one important thing to note about the Rainers farm, both then and now. They're not a single crop operation. Even today, I mean, cotton is only a, a small part of our, of our cropping operation uh, because we, we keep a, a rather rigorous uh, rotation scheme going. That rotation scheme works something like this. They rotate through planting crops like alfalfa, wheat, sorghum, and cotton. The wheat and cotton crops interact this way through the rotation. And, uh, and then after we harvest the wheat in the spring, we plant our cotton no-till right into the standing stubble of the wheat. The felled wheat acts as a sort of mulch for the cotton. And the uh, resulting cotton crop is grown under a much shorter uh, compressed time span than full season cotton. Ron said that they've been growing cotton crops that way for the last 20 years, and the results have been fruitful. Well, you know, we figured that between the two crops and the university uh, uh, extension specialist that deals with meteorology has developed some water consumption curves for us and uh, between the wheat and the cotton together uh, that we save roughly 20 percent uh, of the water that it would take just growing a single crop. 
That's not to say that there aren't water concerns. Russ is Ron's son. He also works on the family's farming operation. Russ said that water is something that will have to be managed heavily into the future. But Russ doesn't feel like water resources are the main threat to farming in Maricopa County. Running out of water won't be the thing that makes people not farm anymore. It'll just be land space and population growth. That'll be 100% like what it hits first. This made me think of a previous episode I did on urban farming. In that episode, which you can listen to after this, I learned that Metro Phoenix is losing its agricultural land to development. Rather than closing their operations entirely, some valley farmers have moved them to Pinal County instead. But there's one issue with that. Pinal County uses water from the Central Arizona Project. That water is stored in Lake Mead. Once water on Lake Mead drops below a certain level, farmers in Pinal County will face a water shortage. They were the ones that were gonna be hurt the most. But Russ said that's not necessarily a deterrent. After all, Arizona farmers have evolved for decades. New farming methods and the use of modern farm machinery plus reclamation has changed Arizona from a bleak frontier to a land of wealth and opulence. But I think anywhere you go, if you've been farming in Arizona, which all of them have and you know we have for long enough, you realize that the, like one of the first things you look for when you go to rent a piece or buy a piece is water. Like, does it have, what's the water access like, you know? Ron and Russ both said that the cotton industry in Arizona has taken a lot of hits over the decades. Although technological developments have allowed each acre of land to become more productive, Russ said the price of cotton right now is pretty bad. Still, cotton helped build our state. It was the cash crop that allowed Arizona to grow right as we were approaching statehood. I think it's, it's something that should definitely be considered as part of the five C's or part of Arizona's like state identity for sure. Hey, it's me, Kayla again. If you didn't notice, this is our 40th episode of Valley 101. Katie, what are you starting to notice are like themes or commonalities among our episodes? I find it really interesting how a lot of our history is very, very closely tied to our economies. Um, And those economies change as the population changes, which means that the history changes alongside them. Um, So it's just something that I'm paying attention to or thinking about now when people talk about, you know, the growth of tech in Arizona or other industries. Like, what will that leave in terms of a footprint on our history? Absolutely. And how will it shape our culture? I think that's so interesting. Well, Valley 101 listeners, I hope you enjoyed our exploration of two of Arizona's five C's. If you have more questions about the other ones, let us know at valley101.accentral.com. In the meantime, be sure to rate and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
That's it for today. See you next week.